Ain't nothing gonna hold me back. Creme de la creme, rise up fresh, put the pen to the test. Scarpy DM, did I mention again the G O A T? Yes. I'm really keen that God just uses the best of it to reach young people. And if that means I'm just going to goon around and sweat my back out, great. The Profile You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Hello and welcome to The Profile here on Premier Christian Radio with me, Emma Fowl. The Profile is the show where we sit down with a well-known Christian to hear more about their life, faith and ministry. It's brought to you in association with the UK's leading Christian magazine, Premier Christianity. The monthly title features more great interviews just like this one, all of the latest news, reviews, columnists and much, much more. It's now available in a print and or a digital subscription and you can download the Premier Christianity app or go online and get exclusive access to new daily content wherever you are in the world. Subscribe now for just $3.95 a month at premierchristianity.com forward slash subscribe. Now today on the show I'm speaking to Linz West. If you grew up in the 90s like me you might remember Linz from the Worldwide Message Tribe. He's an evangelist, DJ and energetic frontman of band LZ7, as well as the founder of Light, which is a family of artists and a record label which uses music to impact young people with a positive message and the hope of the gospel. They have taken their message into thousands of schools, impacting tens of thousands of kids and have even toured the world, supporting mainstream artists like Jason Derulo on tour. If you've ever seen LZ7 Live, you'll know quite how energetic their performances are and quite how passionate they are about sharing the good news of Jesus in a credible way with young people. Today, I'll be catching up with Linz, asking him what it was like to be back on stage this month in front of a live audience after 18 months of being cooped up in his loft, what his plans are for the future and how he ended up fronting an electronic dance music band. Would you tell me about Young Linz? What was your home life like growing up? What were you? Oh my gosh, Young Linz. Yes. Uh, <laughs> young Linz isn't that much different from from uh, from adult Linz now. Full of beans and and slightly ADHD, I think was uh, probably how you describe us. Yeah, so I grew up in a, a Christian home. Um, my parents were Christians, and in that they took us to church and, and wanted us to get involved. Um, my dad was uh, a festival director for Billy Graham in the uh in the european festivals that he did so my first two years were sitting in the back of a v-dub van driving around europe following all these festivals as they went around um so we moved to belgium and uh, and i lived out the back of a van basically until i was two and then we moved back to to london i mean it's just it's an interesting start isn't it like a, a missionary kid i'm not really a, like a pastor's kid particularly but just i understood what mission was from a really young age um and I can't, I can't have got it. But when, when I got to about 13, 14, I was super, super, super into sport. So still am like massively into it. But I was starting to, to play sport and get involved in it, get involved in teams. I was tall for my age. So I was playing in basketball teams for when I was 15 for the under 19s. And the kind of the sport sort of lifestyle, it started to kind of encroach just on just on life. I didn't suddenly give up church because of sport, but you know, you'd go and play a game, then we'd end up in the pub, or we'd end up in the, and I, and I was, un, you know, underage, but big enough to be there and, and just thought, right, well, this is what you do. So it was that kind of lifestyle. So I've never been like a, a particularly violent kid or had any kind of like anger issues or anything like that. I was just party boy. And I just, from a young age, just just understood what it was to have a laugh and have fun. But then obviously that, you know, that, that lifestyle has got everything involved in it. So going out to pubs, going to clubs, getting to university, I got a, um, an opportunity to go to America to play basketball and I really wanted to do it. And it was just it was just a culmination of all of these things that I managed to get there to Illinois State University to play ball and to do a sports science degree. Um, so I was just that kid that wanted to get involved in everything and, and do as much as I could. And Jesus kind of took a bit of a sideline, really. I guess that's probably the best way to describe it. And I think in, in some respects, done loads and loads and loads of different jobs and loads of different things. And I feel like when Paul in the Bible says all things to all people that you might save some, there's so many different experiences that we've been through and different places I've been and lived and, and done that I'm slightly cockney, been in Manchester for a few years, 
did a sports science degree, now a preacher, love DJing, love music. So I've got all these kind of like different aspects to to my life. But um, but God, at that age, just wasn't sort of central to it. And I remember being um, on spring break, which is like a big party thing that um, all the students do in America. And we're driven from Chicago down to Panama City Beach, which was right next door to Pensacola, which is where this whole revival thing was going on. And uh, I... <laughs> I remember sitting on the beach and we'd sunk a big keg of beer into the sand and we were tapping off this keg of beer, just me and my mates. And I saw this girl come walking towards me. And beforehand, I, I, I've been to a university, I've been to Campus Crusades and I was like, you know, I'll, I'll go along just because I've, you know, tick the box and, and say that I'm still a Christian and I'm still following it. And, and, uh, and I could see this girl walking towards me and I was like, no, 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 it's Amber. Oh no, it's Amber. She knows me. She knows me. And she's from my university, but she's down there doing, doing a beach crusade and I'm there drinking beer. So she sits on the end of, my, on the, end of the sunbed and she said, Lynn, come to this event tonight. And I was like, I'm not coming to this event. I know what it's going to be. I said, I've grown up with this. I know what it is. And she's like, no, come to this event. You, you'll enjoy it. And I'm like, no, nope, I'm not coming. Anyway, she says, right, I'll see you at 6 p.m. Sober up, come to this event. So I walk into this event I'm still at the back and it's, I mean, it's exactly the same as any kind of like tent revival thing that I've ever been to in my life. But anyway, this band comes out and they start bouncing around. They start singing. And I'm like, this is quite a good song. And it's, it's actually the Newsboys. And I remember about six months before my mum, before I went to America, had given me two CDs. One was a DC Talk album and one was a Newsboys album to try and get me to start listening to Christian music. And I must have been like 18. And I distinctly remember driving down the M4 and chucking them out the window. <laughs> and I'm like, and I had LL Cool J and uh, NWA and Run DMC in my headphones and listening to all this rap stuff. And I threw this stuff out and I was like, I'm not listening to this. Anyway, Newsboys come back on. And I, I made a commitment to not necessarily to back to Jesus, but to bring myself back on the, on the relationship with Jesus. As in, I was already a Christian. I, don't, I already knew that I was saved, but I was like, okay, this is, this is uncanny. Like, this is weird. Anyway, I come back from university. I come back from America about two years later. And like I said, I've thrown those CDs out and, and I'm sat upstairs in the loft room and I've got my CD collection and right on the end is, guess what? The Newsboys album. And I've thrown it out the window. So I'm like, I don't know for this day whether my mum had snuck it up there, but it was God's way of kind of going, I've got your number. And, um, and, and funnily enough now, I've become really good mates with the Newsboys and Michael Tate is our kid's godfather. Aww. So we do loads of tours with them and gigs and we just got on with them really well. And they're part of my journey of coming back to to Jesus as a, as a as a teenager quite an eclectic story really yeah so where did the music come in like you've, you've talked obviously you love sport as a young man and but now you know especially within the Christian world people would know you for your music was that always a love was it always there yeah there was two things I think two things that grabbed kids like me grabbed my attention was music and sport and um I was always going to like Ministry of Sound and Fabric and Beds in London and just dancing I used to love to dance just like stand there for three hours I didn't do drugs I wasn't that kid I was into I'd have a few beers and, and, and I knew that I had a game the next day. So I'd have to keep myself like pretty compass but I just danced and I danced for hours. And um, we used to have these like dance competitions and break dance competitions. That was always part of my, you know, part of my sort of like non-sport sort of life. And um, I went to, after this American experience I had, I came back and I went on a big holiday to Magaluf with about 20 mates. And you can imagine what that was like. It's just Magaluf is just like another level of party central. And I came back and I'd booked myself in to Soul Survivor as a uh, detached youth worker. So I'd, I'd been out on this big one and I come back to Soul Survivor and I'm just like, my head's in bits. Like, I'm like, what have I been doing? What is this? And this is still my kind of journey back to Jesus. And, um, and I walked past um, a cafe called the Dregs Cafe and I could hear this music. And I'm like, I've just left this. What's this? And I walk in, stand at the back and these, these, these Mancunians came out jumping about. And one of them raps like Cookie Monster. And then this other lad um, comes out and like spins on his head for about 12 minutes. And then he gets up and starts sharing his story. And he said, um, I was a DJ. I was in a, a band called Bizarre Inc. He said, I just love to dance. This is my thing. And I'm starting to listen because I'm like, this sounds like, you know, relatable. And, uh, and he said, yeah, I got, um, I got involved in, a, I, was, I lived in Ibiza and I'd just come back from Magaluf. So I suddenly, my, my ears pricked up. And he said, I got, I got ended up in a dodgy drug deal and I'd thrown into a pool tied to a chair and left for dead and I, I owed them so much money they just wanted to you know fob me off and he said and I just called out to God and I wasn't Christian but I said God you know you need to come and save me and help me and then 30 seconds later I'm sat by the side of the pool with his 
with his arms by side, just dripping. And he's like, how in the world did that happen? So he came back and took himself to a church. So he told me this story. I'm on my knees, Emma, down the front, like re repenting, responding to the gospel. And it was through a band and they were called the Worldwide Message Tribe. So I was, I was well into my music. Like I was a bedroom DJ. I used to have camouflage set up at my mate's house with a couple of decks and we'd like mix music and mix beats and do all that kind of stuff. Wait for the next drop. We'd um, record the chart show on tape, you know, and pause it when the adverts came on and do it with all that kind of stuff. So music was a proper love. Um, and I heard this band and it was like, it was like secular music, but not secular music. And I responded and it, it, the guy's name was Cameron. A year later, I went back to Soul Survivor and they said, oh, we're auditioning for new members. And I'd done the same thing. And I was in that year, I'd taken myself back to church and, uh, and I'd taken that job as a, a detached youth worker. So I was out in the skate park and I was out in the basketball court and, you know, just chatting to kids that were kind of on the edge, on the fringe and not really involved. And um, they said, we're doing an audition. And, and my brother elbowed me and he goes, you should, you should do that. You should, you're up for that. He said, you can rap and dance and do a backflip and stuff. And I was like, Dan, they're from Manchester. How far is Manchester North? I'm going to get a nosebleed going that far north. I'm not doing that. And he was like, no, 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 go on, go on. Anyway, I auditioned. And five days later, I ended up moving up to Manchester to a, to a thing called the Eden Project, which is working in Withenshaw. And it, I'd moved from the, you know, the Royal Borough of Windsor Maidenhead. And I was working in Kensington and I had this really nice job. And I just sacked it off and just went, right, God, if this is right, I'll push the door. And if you open it, you open it and, and I'll walk through it and I'll move to Manchester. So I moved and I joined the Worldwide Message Tribe and joined that guy, Cameron, in the band. It's all part of my journey of coming back. I'm like super grateful to that guy. And, you know, he's preached the gospel to hundreds and hundreds of thousands. And I'm one of the ones that's come through and now doing the same thing that he did um, for, for young people on the other side. But it was all because of music. You know, I heard the music and I was like, whoa, and it, and it grabbed me. And it was like a it was like a fishing line, like a when I suddenly went in and listened. And that is literally the model that we have now. That's why yeah. we do it and how we do it. And it's 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 a universal language that's a hook, that's a it speaks across barriers of creed, colour, background, history, heritage, all that kind of stuff. It, and it just grabs young people's imagination and uh, and it gives you a platform to be able to speak life. So he did that for me, so I'm doing that for other people. It's really funny listening to you talk. I don't know if we're similar ranges, but I remember the same clubs and Christian culture running alongside and stuff. And I can remember when the Worldwide Message Drive came on the scene. And, yeah. you know, prior to that, I think someone had given me an Amy Grant tape when I was like... That. Yeah, I remember you know, that. that. My mum used to, she used to play that in the car in, in an effort to try and get us Christian to sing it. music didn't exist. You, if you weren't from that background or that wasn't your bag, there was nothing that, that crossed that divide, you know, that felt on a par with the stuff that you might listen to outside of church yeah, yeah. and uh and worldwide message tribe when they came along everybody was like what? yeah yeah <laughs> but since then you have gone from the worldwide message trust which obviously disbanded in 2005 so that was when you formed lz7 yeah so i just had this this slight sort of god moment and i don't really ever hear the audible voice of god but i definitely felt like a like a nudge in my soul, in my stomach. And it was the last gig of the Tribe show. And they'd, they'd put up like a, um, a mic stand and they had this Trilby hat spinning on this mic stand. And then it just said to be continued. And I was sat in the crowd pit watching this whole outro video. And I was just about to go and join a band called The Band With No Name. And I'd been working in The Band With No Name for a year and in the Tribe as well. And kind of, I was gonna become team leader. And I loved, I loved The Band With No Name. I loved what they stood for. But I also, I moved to Manchester for, for the message at the time. I phoned up Andy Hawthorne first thing in the morning. He was my boss. And I was like, we're not done, mate. Like the, the message never changes. As in the message of the gospel never changes, but the method does. I don't feel like I'm, I'm supposed to step into this role with the band in our name. I feel like I'm supposed to change the method of what we do here with the message. And, I, and I'm not sure what that looks like. What does that look like? He sent me away to go and pray and, and come up with something. And, and I went back and I was like, I'd love to do like the hardest to reach kids you know, grab those kids that are really battling with life. And, mm. and, and we said, well, why don't, why don't we just go into prison, start in prison? So we, we were just starting a new thing called um, lockdown in, um, in some of the prisons around Manchester. And, and I just said to the prison chaplain, do you fancy us coming to do a gig? Let's just do a gig. So our first show was in Hindley Young Offenders with about 400 young offenders. We set up a load of speakers and a set of decks. And I asked my mate who was a DJ to join me in this new LZ7 venture. And we just turned the music on and just spat bars, just rapped and danced and, 
And I was like green before I went on. I was like, oh gosh, this is going to bomb. They're going to hate this. And I promised you, Emma, within about 30 seconds, they jumped up, high-fived each other. A couple started break dancing at the back. You know, one ran past me. I thought he was going to jaw me on the way past. And he ran up and did a backflip. And then it all, the whole place just lost it. And I, and I, was, I said to him afterwards, I was like, what? What in the world is that? And these are like tough kids, like tough inner city Manchester, Liverpool, some of them gangland, some of them, you know, in there for like some serious crimes. I said, what was that? And they're like, bro, you don't understand. We're locked up for 24 hours of the day, uh, for 23 hours of the day. And for one hour, we got you lot and you turned us into 12 year old kids again. He goes, that was amazing. He said, there's so much freedom in that music. And I was like, that's the key. That's it. That's it. It unlocks stuff. It has a an un- just an uncanny way of being able to reach people. So that was our first show in like 2006. So we worked for a year on a load of music and love writing bars so that we could just freestyle over stuff and this, you know, drop this stuff. And, and then we came up with a little 10 song album at the end of 2007 and uh, started to do a load of high schools as well because we started, there was another band called Blush who I was married to the lead singer of. So we started to open for them still doing prisons, still doing schools. And then we wrote this one song called This Little Light of Mine. And suddenly, like, it was one of them, like, viral things where everybody started singing this song. And it didn't matter whether you were the hardest to reach. It was just a catchy song talking about, you know, letting your light shine. Um, Integrity Music, who we were signed to at the time, just said, would you consider putting this in the charts? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And they're like, let's run a campaign. You know, and I said, well, let's get kids to do random acts of kindness, you know, shiny light. That could be the campaign. Little light is the, is the single. And we'll do a big 50 date school tour and, and book the Apollo. And we did. And it's the first time that we've ever sold out the Manchester Apollo. And three and a half thousand kids turned up. We dropped it that night and it dropped in number 26 in the charts. So that was our official start date, really. So we've been doing all the prisons under, you know, behind the scenes. We, we had a bit of branding and a few photo shoots, but we didn't have any kind of like major content this is us and then suddenly boom this this happened and it, it just it it shot us from relative sort of like underground stuff to now we can really get in schools and schools started opening their doors to us because we've been in the charts and because we were a band that was credible and we weren't just going to smack them with big bibles they saw it as like a, a fun with a message and it just started opening doors all over the world so that's where it really kick-started us that's amazing and you know if, if you look back on it you've had five albums two eps 15 singles yeah. This is my mind that you said went into the charts in the top 30s. The Matt Redman song that you collaborated yeah. with, the 27 million, reached number 12 in the charts. You've supported Jason Derulo on tour. Yeah. You've had over a million listens on one song on Spotify. So good. What I want to pick up on, though, is what you said about um, music unlocking the freedom in the crowds. And I mean, I've seen you several years on the trot. You come down to Creation Fest, which happens near me in Cornwall. And um, that is the thing that we all notice when we watch you guys on stage is that it doesn't matter whether you're a five year old kid on your dad's shoulders, whether you're a 16 year old kid who doesn't know Jesus, whether you are a 40 year old something mother in the crowd bouncing around embarrassingly with her friends. Uh, The crowd goes wild. And when you look at it on paper, like you think they have something here. There is a way that you guys reach people with the gospel, which mm. um, is incredibly credible and um, incredibly effective. Do you ever think about what is it exactly that gives you that level of in with the crowd? Yeah, there's a there's a little secret that we kind of like learn, I guess. So the BBC came out on Blue Peter or something like that. It was it was um, a survey that it did of young people. So there's, there's like two or three things that have kind of molded together to make this work and did a survey of like 30,000 young people. And they said, what are you looking for in a role model, like in someone that's going to speak into life? What are you looking for? And it, it came back like an 82 percent to 18 percent majority. They're looking for authenticity. So authenticity, it has to be authentically you. And I said just a second ago, like I am, you know, as a kid, I was party boy, pull my T-shirt over my head and run, not naked, but run around the block and do some practical joke or, you know, it's harnessing that energy that is authentically me as a, as a person, mixing that with faith, standing for something rather than falling for everything that's out there. But then also kids will see something that's not authentic and they'll see straight through it. So if you're trying to be something you're not, so if I get up there and I'm trying to be like some kind of bad man, rapper, grime artist, it just ain't going to work. Just, it's just not my vibe. My vibe is EDM, white boy, party music, like get sweaty, get a jump up and down. And because that's authentically what we're doing as a, as a unit, it almost brings freedom for people watching. Cause I'm looking at them going, come on, 
your turn. And I'm looking at them going, your turn, dance. And then they suddenly go, oh, yeah. And then by the end of it, they're sweating as hard as I am because it kind of allows them to be, and I say it to the guys, so Saints is a new band that's coming through at the moment. And I, the, the one piece of advice I'm saying to them is you have to be so happy in your own world on the stage in your little six foot round circle around you but you're wel- welcoming 2,000 people into your world and saying come and celebrate like me and come and en- come and enjoy it. leave the problems at the door for a second let's just have a bit of a, a party and and see if God does something through this and I think that that's infectious so I'm really keen that God just uses the best of it to reach young people and if that means I'm just going to goon around and sweat my back out great I'll go around and sweat my back out and have, have loads of fun. And if people don't like it, it's also being secure enough in your own skin to go, it's cool, man. It's not my vibe. Great. No worries. I'm going to carry on. It's a bit like you're on the dance floor. You know, when someone goes past you, they go like this and you kind of go, what? And they go, I don't care. I'm going to carry on going. It's that. <laughs> it's, it's that. And it's just, it's that sort of slight, not particularly worried about what people think. I'm just going to rock out and have fun myself at the live show. And I think our focus has always been live, face to face, seeing young people, um, you know, even, even in lockdown, you're doing, doing all our live streams on, on YouTube and Instagram live and stuff. It's always been about the, the person on the receiving end, about how they're encountering what we're doing. And then, so, you know, you're just talking about um, making it credible to, to share the gospel. In Isaiah, it talks about going up the mountain and shouting to the towns of Judea, here is your God. So you get to the top of the mountain. But the very bottom of the mountain is getting up at 5 a.m. to go to do a year seven assembly in Wadebridge School. And then inviting them to a gig and inviting them to a show. And then, the, then it goes, then we go to another school. And it's getting up that right to that pinnacle moment. It, it starts at that bottom end moment, getting up to come to Creation Fest, leaving at 5 a.m. in the morning, getting in the car. That's the, this is the journey all the way to that point. So it's not just the stage stuff. It's all the prayer that's gone into it. It's all the, um, the background work that's gone into it. Like we, we have nine people working full time on our shows you know, doing visuals, doing vocals, doing mixing stuff, getting, you know, even now I just had a, a video sent of a remix that's coming out. And it's, there's a lot of stuff that goes up, but it's all to get to that moment where you say, here is your God, right at the top of the mountain. And I believe music can create that platform. And, you know, there's a little bit of just have a load of fun and enjoy yourself. <laughs> and, and you very clearly do. That, that comes across so clearly. I hear so many people say, oh, that's not my kind of music, but I really love watching LZ7. Yeah. So I think that's a massive compliment, isn't it? When people most, of them, say, most, of them are, most of them are dads as well. And yeah, they all stood there, all stood there back doing a little dad dance. And you're like, I can see you. Like, and I call them out. I'm like, I can see you. I can see what you do. Smile. And they smile. And I'm like, oh, I got you. You come, you come because your kids make you, and then you're like, "This is quite fun." <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually enjoying this. Yes, but also what you do, what you, what you never fail to do. I've never seen you do a gig where you don't also very clearly, uh, very directly communicate the good news of the God who loves us, and give a, yeah. an extremely clear opportunity for kids to respond, and they always do. So yeah. is that that I, I'm guessing that has sort of always been. This is part of our DNA we will always do this yeah yeah so when, when we left the message in uh 2011 little light had just come out and we were we were working on 27 million with matt and in the meantime i, I just re- i really felt god just going so we, we left the message in a really good way we were set up by them as, a, as an associate ministry to run alongside them um and our mission statement is to take the life-changing message of jesus to young people through music so if you cut like a blackpool rock if you cut through the middle of every staff member of light that's what they would bleed we take the life-changing messages to young people through music so you know all this stuff getting up the mountain to hit it's taking that life-changing message and there's a real focus to it because if, if we're asked to do something that's not that then we don't do it and that, that, that can be difficult because you have to say no to things people say oh can you open for 15 minutes and you know don't share your faith because of this i'm like mm, no nah. no we can't <laughs> and then people are like what i'm like oh no it's it's really hard but I'm going to share my faith. Oh, no, no, you can't do that. Well, I'm not going to play then. So it's, it, but that's not like picking and choosing or, or any of those, or being arrogant about it. It's just, that's, that is our DNA. That's what we do. And if Cameron hadn't done that to me, as in I'd respond, I would never have been here. So I'm, I'm adamant about that stuff. And I think the, the Christian, it's, it's a funny tangent, isn't it? Sitting between the Christian world of the Tim Hughes's and the worship and the Matt Redman and the, the kind of mainstream of this world and we sit right in the middle of here you don't really fit with either like it's not really worship unless i get up and explain hey we're gonna 
this is just a different way of worshiping. You're going to use your body. You're going to sweat a bit. Some of it is worship. Some of the words you can use it as, as that. But then you get to a Jason Derulo tour and you can imagine what the Jason Derulo set's like. It's, it's f- pretty full on. And I went up to the management beforehand and I said, I said, hey, we, you know, we've, we've played arenas before, but I've never done 30 on the bounce. I said, thanks so much for having us. And he goes, oh, mate, it's our pleasure. You, you know, you're, you're welcome to be here. And I said, hey, man, there's, there's like a churchy element to us. Like there's a faith element to us. Am I right to share that? And he was like, and he literally gave me my mic and he went, it's your mic, Linz. You, you share what you want to share. K, you know, Callum Scott is going to share what he's going to share. Jason's going to share his stories. You share your story, bro. You're, you are free to do that. And I, and I had this moment, and someone explained it to me the other day recently, about the Aperagoth that Paul went to speak on, the place of, of credibility in Rome, where all the artists would go and all the, um, the writers of the days and the authors and the speakers, they'd all go there. And you could only get to that point if you had the credibility to, behind you to get on the, the Aperagoth and speak. And Paul did it. And someone said, that's, that's your calling. That's what you're doing. You're creating a credible moment where you can get to that point and, and get up onto the mountain and shout, here is your God, in a place where people just wouldn't hear it. So we had 450,000 people we were in front of over that tour, and none of them would have stepped in the church. But we had this opportunity to share a spoken word where you can share Jesus. And it was the gospel, but in a spoken word and under music. So people were like listening. And at the, honestly, Emma, at the end, we were getting standing ovations. People were like chills. I was, I was getting wobbly lips and people would like, stand. And I'm like, what? I thought this was just going to go down so badly, but it went down so well because it was presented in a way they understand. Mm-hmm. But also with that level of sort of, we'd managed to get there. You know, we got the credibility to get there. And I think, you know, the church world might not struggle with it, but, you know, like you're saying, dads come in and they go, oh, that was actually really fun. That, that's, there's also, oh, that's actually really good. You know, there's, there's a thought process where, they, where they're going, oh, you know, LZ, they're party boys, they do all that. And, and then they, they see us and they go, whoa, that was the gospel. Oh, that's actually really good. And I'm like, that's the whole point because yeah. you won't see those kids walking into church. They won't go to St. Not St. Cuthbert's, but they won't go to St. Anne's or, you know, whatever. They just, there's too much of a stereotype that, that blocks them from parents handing it down. And I, and I feel like when D- Jesus said, go and make disciples of the nations, that's the going, is going to their places. But also um, what you guys have put in place in the last few years through um, your Illuminate programme and the AAA pass is a is actually something that tags on to the end of that, isn't it? So yeah, that yeah. kids can get into relationship with local churches and youth groups and actually go on in their faith. Because yeah, yeah. there is sometimes that criticism that's leveled at, you know, the big hype events, isn't there? That, oh, this yeah. is just, you know, re- kids are responding in the moment. It's all emotion. It's all hype. Even if they do make a commitment, then what happens when they just go back to their lives and they don't know any Christian? Mm-hmm. So what do you say, like, against yeah. that? Yeah, we had um, the first thing we did when we started Light was we started this process of building this thing called the AAA Pass. And our next album was called After Show. And everybody, every kid wants to know, can I get backstage? Can I get a VIP? That's, that's what we get DMs, we get asked all the time. Can I get backstage pass? Can I get backstage pass? So the song After Show was kind of a, a front to the AAA Pass because everybody wants a free ticket to the After Show. After Show is about heaven. Access all areas. So... It's a, it's a, it looks like this, it's a lanyard, that's on, it looks like a bit of a phone. And at the end of every show, we hand out thousands of these AAA passes to everybody that responded. So you're right, Emma, in the moment, in the hype, yes, people are putting their hands up. And yes, there are lots and lots of people responding. They might be responding because they're having a real moment with Jesus, but it also might be responding because it's emotional and their mates are doing it. Get this AAA pass in their hands and I clearly go through each A on the screen. Access. You now have access to God because of that prayer you just prayed. He has access to you all. It's for every single one of you. You know, Jesus died on the cross for each one of you. Areas, it's for all areas of your life. Take this lanyard, go home. I don't give them a Bible. I don't give them a sign-up sheet. I don't give them a word for you today because they're going to smoke the Bible. They're going to roll it up like a risen and smoke it. They're going to, they end up all over the floor. Um, so we have the Bible on the AAA pass. We have a three-step course, access all in areas that takes them through three days after their response on their own, on their phone away from everybody else and then it leads them to the prayer so they pray the prayer again then you emma as a youth worker will pop up and i go hey man my name's emma i'm starting this thing called triple a sessions that happens in starbucks in schools in whatever venue that the church has been has chosen to take them on a six-week course meet up weekly so they make the, they make decision at the show they do the three-day triple a pass um lanyard then they go to to the triple a sessions and slowly but surely of course the numbers drop off but you end up 
with the kids that fully responded and went, oh yeah, I really want to know Jesus. And some of them you're getting like 120 kids turn up to a school lunchtime where the youth worker's gone back and we've said we'll do it in, in the music room and you know hundreds of kids are turning up and then slowly but surely it's an it's the cross from the angle scale from response at the gig to relationship in church is that all the way across and and we started that as soon as we started like because i knew that i knew that that kids weren't um engaging with some of the more traditional models get it in there let's just get it in their hands so they've got it running and then they all feel like a vip you know they're all walking out with their AAA pass and we sign them all make sure you check this out go to it and it's all part of the the journey of response to relationship and you know we adapt it and build it and we've just launched a new one called illuminate plus which is with our mates at wonderborn and that's going into every church across the states and across the uk as a AAA pass, AAA pass sessions, Illuminate Plus is a kind of spiritual formation course. It's 12 weeks long. So you can actually access all of this stuff. So that when someone goes, oh, it's all about the hype. I'm like, nah, man, it's all about this. There's a whole plethora of stuff that runs behind it to disciple these kids. And you can lead it into Youth Alpha. You can run it into Christianity Explored. You can run it into whichever one you want to. But it's just first steps of faith in ways that they understand it. So it must have been pretty um, tough for you guys when lockdown hit then and all of that had to stop. Oh, mate. Yeah, I mean, luckily, 99% of our stuff is online already. So AAA Pass was always there. And then we launched a new mental health resource called I'm Possible. I play on the word impossible. And, um, and it's like a 10-step self-help that throws you to the NHS or Samaritans. But it's us telling you our stories about eating disorders, low mood, depression, da-da. Launched that as well because I knew people were going through it. And then we did a whole shed load of school lessons on resilience, looking after yourself in lockdown, mental, mental well-being, Black Lives Matter and digital detox, you know, because everybody's going to be on digital at the moment. And we sent them to all the schools with 10 assemblies. So then they had these 10 assemblies, um, five lessons, and every lesson signposted all the kids to our online gig called Illuminate Live. And that happened monthly. And we booked a big, uh, we booked Audacious, big church in town. It's got like 50 foot LED screens and did a gig as if there were 3,000 people in the room to eight cameras. We had CO2 cannons and lasers and gave it everything we got. And then at the end of the songs, it's like... Was that weird? Weird, really, really weird. I mean, I started up here in the cabin. The first day of lockdown, I was like, I'm going to grab everything from the studio. I'm going to rob it and I'm going to run. And I'm like, my loft looks like a spaceship. I reckon I can make this into something. So I just set up these speakers and the decks and what have you. And I just started playing and sharing a bit of faith. I think I did it every night for about three months. Wow. And then I went to Monday, Wednesday, Friday to, and I called it cabin fever because I'm stuck, stuck in my cabin. And then I did a 24 hour set to raise money for a mate of mine that died in lockdown. And, and then we went to TBN and said, look, cabin fever seems to be working. Let's put it out on TV. And it went, became a TV program. Then it became Illuminate Live. So over the 18 months, We've had loads and loads and loads of stuff that we've thrown at the wall and thousands of kids have responded, but we're able to give them the AAA pass and everything because it's already online. So you mm-hmm. can just direct them to it and, you know, in the chat box and people looking after the chat, looking after everything else. And it's like pivoting and throwing loads of stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks and then running with what's stuck. And the live stream seemed to work really well for us. And, you know, our Christmas one, we had three and a half thousand young people on it, which was great. So, and, you know, if I had three and a half thousand kids turn up to a show at the end of the week, I'd be absolutely blown sideways. So I'm more than happy with that. Lots of responses. And yeah, it's been it's been good. It's been really, I mean, really hard, but but good. So Creation Fest was like, a, it was like you took the lid off a steam, like a big bottle of steam. And we just went. So that was your first live gig back, was it? For, yeah, I, I'd done one in Belfast about a month before, but that was under restrictions. So we had to keep socially distanced and kids weren't allowed to do like dance together and all that kind of stuff. Everyone had to stand two metres apart, but it was outdoors. So we'd done one, but this was the first full set, yeah. There must have been some low points as well for you guys in the last 18 months. Has it, has it been tricky at all? Yeah, I mean, I guess just the engagement of face-to-face. Because that's what we're all about and that's what we're kind of built on is, is seeing the whites of people's eyes. And, and being with them face to face and you can see we come alive and then they come alive and, and it's like a you know a live show is that we give out you give back we give out you give back that's what it looks like it's not when you're when you're online it's just give 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 because you can't see anything so that that was really hard and you know obviously I'm the boss but keeping everybody motivated and passionate about it so we just chucked out loads and loads of music and it meant because we had loads on I guess on on in stock we just had loads of content so we just thought well let's just chuck it out and we did like loads of playlists on Spotify and stuff. 
but it still wasn't the same. It's still not the same as face to face. And when we first saw each other, I think it might have been December last year, and we were recording a music video for Getting Wild, and we were just like, whoa, this is so weird. I'm actually next to you. You're not on Zoom. No way. Like it was, it was bizarre. So yeah, it was, it was that, that side of it was difficult. Like the, the, the apartness, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And you can see that when you watch you live, the way you interact with the crowd is very direct and the amount of time that you give to the kids before and after gigs equally. So I can imagine for someone who is so passionate about engaging with the, the hardest to reach, to not be able to, look someone in the face and walk along yeah, yeah. is really hard and I mean I think you know everybody that works in church circles and, and is pastoral in that respect has has probably also really missed that and really struggled to watch people Absolutely. struggle and to not be able to get alongside them personally so yeah it was phenomenal for me to see young people watching you at creation fest responding for the first time especially you know two young girls i watched in the crowd who i knew were not christian and not from christian homes who also made a response and yeah. uh, and that's what we miss when those big events are not there that we can't invite people to do isn't it yeah so you've got some new music coming out would you like to tell yep. us about that yeah so on august 20th um we've got a, a single with a grammy nominated dj called paul oakenfold who we've I've followed for years. Like he's just like one of the legends of dance music. And he heard our new single together and basically loved it and wanted to um wanted to do a remix of it. So we we went and filmed it in a Thomas Cook Airlines um hangar that holds four jumbos <laughs> at Manchester Airport. We filmed the music video in there. So the music video looks epic with like racing drones and they're zooming around and then we built a stage and it all it all comes out on the 20th of August. So if, you, if you're able to click onto YouTube now, it should be out now while you listen to this. So you can go and, have a, go and have a watch. It's called Together. So that's our new single. And then we've got another one coming out in September. That's um, We've got a remix from Charlie Hedges on Radio 1, who's the dance DJ. She's got behind the single and five other remixes that are coming out with it. Big kind of EDM banger. It's called Back in Time. Really kind of like focusing on that moment that you connect with. with when I say a higher power, as in to, to quote Coldplay, you know, connecting with jesus it's it's that moment you know take yourself back in time to when that first happened and it's that kind of sentiment that's in the song but yeah lots of new music we've got a new band called saints they've got a single coming out in september called beautiful world and they've got one out at the moment called you'll always find a way so go and check them out and i'm developing this band so that when we do the illuminate tour you've got two of us so you have lz7 and saints and we both go and do all these schools and then invite them to a friday night and, and blow up the town with some good news of jesus those guys are gunning as well they've got an ep coming out and hopefully we're looking at doing like a little bit of a christmas tour so if you want us in your area if you're listening and you're thinking oh man i could do that in my youth group maybe kickstart some stuff for you maybe start again for some youth groups and just get some non-christians there get some friends there get some mates there and just get involved with us and give us a shout and we'll, we'll try and make it happen so um i didn't realize until after creation fest it was actually your birthday when you were down here in cornwall yeah birthday weekend <gasps> it was my birthday on the saturday um, and then Sunday was the uh, Sunday was Creation Fest. But yeah, it, I've always, to be honest, I've always played Creation Fest on my birthday. Wow. It's always been my birthday. So wh whether it's like the day after of the day of or the day before, it's all around, it's always been around that time. I've always loved it. So I've always taken the gig because we enjoy it so much. And and so how old were you this year? Can I ask? Nah, I'm not telling you that. <laughs> 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 all I can say is I've still got my own teeth. No, no. Um, how old was I? Uh, I'm the same age as. Uh, David Beckham. Okay. There you go. You can go and Google that and work oh, it out. Go and Google that. <laughs> <laughs> we were taking bets. No one, no one could find this out when we were researching this piece. How old? You Lynch can't. You can't. Was. It's not online. It's not online. I've kept you... it, so you can never find it. <laughs> are, you, are you still going to be doing this? Like when, when you're seventy, you're still going to be bouncing around the stage. Nah, I an mean, end to it. Yeah, I'm. I guess. I don't know. I, like, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys that are a lot older than me that are still doing stuff, and whether you know the stuff, the stuff evolves and changes, and you've got DJs that that just that DJ but still speak and still share. And you know, if if this is like a five year thing for me, and then you know I move into a bit more of a kind of preacher role, then great, so be it. Or if there's still still music to to come out that we can still do, and, and it it becomes a bit more of a DJ thing, then great. But I don't think taking the life-changing message of Jesus to, to people changes, really, does it? It's, it's whatever, you know, all, lots of different strings to the bow, so all things to all people. So 
if it if it changes, then it changes, and if it doesn't, then I'll just go until my foot falls off. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, what you're saying is music happens to be the vehicle now, but it doesn't look like you're going to lose your passion for communicating the good news of the God who loves. No, you. no, and there's you know there's there's reasons for bringing on people like Saints who are like 19, 20. They can definitely, you know, the legacy of it all passing it on and the DNA and, and them carrying it, running alongside us at the same time. But I'd, I'd love them to run faster than we've ever run and, you know, reach more people than we ever we ever have. And for it to be um, something that we set up and just went, right, now go, you go get them. And uh, that feels like, it feels like the right thing to do. You know, Jesus started with 12 mates and no internet. So I'm kind of like, well, look, we've got we've got nine at the moment. We've got nine mates, and let's, we've got lots of internet, and let's see see how far we can get this great news of Jesus. <laughs> how do you think growing up, like you you said earlier about your dad and him him being part of the Billy Graham missions, has that given you a heritage that's helped you as you've gone into the the kind of the line of work that you've gone into? Yeah, do you know what Emma? It's it's definitely there's 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 a few things that I've gone. Oh, that's no surprise. So I, I guess you would call me you call me a missionary. I'd call myself like a musicianary, if that's the best way to describe it. And when you, when you go and work for a mission organization, if you, if you go for two weeks to Haiti with compassion, or you go and do, you know, building a toilet block somewhere and you do some kind of great work, you normally pay to go on mission to go and do it. We're paid to be missionaries, but we have to raise our pay to go and do it. So does that make sense? So we're still, we're still paying to do it. So we, we write to friends and family and, and, and supporters and say to them, hey, would you support me to go and reach this? Um, and for some people, that's really difficult to get their heads around because they're like, well, but it's a job. And I'm like, it is a job, but you'd pay to go on mission. So we live in this, this tangent. That to me was not a surprise to go and do that. So when, when I first joined the, uh, the tribe, they said to me, look, we'd love you to be inspired to go and raise some of your wage. And I went out and raised all of it. And, and I wrote to 200 people and I said, hey, 200 people, £10 a month, that's two grand a month. That's a, I could live on that. That's easy. And, you know, that's that's like a regular wage at, at, at 26. That would be you know, cover my house and bills and, and yada, yada, yada. And and obviously putting it in a way that I'm going to go and do stuff that that people wouldn't ordinarily want to go and do. You know, we did we did the launch of Illuminate and I had Nicky Gumbel preach and uh, and he got up and it's at the House of Lords. And his first words were, I hate speaking in school. <laughs> He goes, it's the hardest place to go. He said, because kids know exactly what's going on. They can see straight through you. And it's the toughest thing I've ever done. These guys are doing it. And he basically gave her, you need to support them because this is what they do, right? And I was like, dang, that's amazing coming from Nicky Gumbel. That's, that's incredible. What a, what a kind thing to say. That, that, but that kind of stuff wasn't really a shock to me because I'd, I'd had a heritage of understanding it. You know, at 16, I went, and, I went out with a company called Lynx International Charity that works out in Portugal. And we painted, I mean, I got myself in trouble because I still, I was just stupid. I got myself in trouble, but I still went out and painted the orphanage and taught basketball in the afternoon. And I raised the 1200 quid to go and get it by writing to Barclays Bank, NatWest Bank, the local butchers, because I was a 15 year old kid. And, and then, so the same kind of like DNA, when you find that in someone, it, it's such a joy to be, oh, it's not a surprise to them. They're like, oh yeah, no, I knew that. That's, that's just part of being a missionary. And I'm like, right, brilliant. You know, one of our new team members has just joined um, Saints and she went out and raised her wage in a month and just did exactly what I did. And I said, go and write to 200 people, 10 pounds. I did it. I did it 10 years ago. You know, go and do it. And she did and she got it. And that that stuff is, I think, from my parents has been a real good heritage and foundation to understand the missionary life and how it works. And, you know, someone said to me the other day, one of our supporters, he was like, you could go out and sell freezers to Eskimos and be a millionaire. And he goes, and you're not, you're selling Jesus to the poorest. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm skinned. Give me some money. <laughs> no, I'm not into that. Well, it kind of did say that, but I didn't really say it in those words. But it's having an understanding of exactly what I just said about, like, we'll be able to reach and saints will be able to reach into worlds that, that other people wouldn't necessarily be able to scratch or touch or get near. And to ask for money for that isn't a bad thing because you're taking Jesus, the Jesus that these supporters know, you're taking it to people that just would never know. And that stuff is, is sometimes hard for people to get their head around. But for me, it was part of my kind of growing up in a mission background that helped us to, to understand all that. And all of our budgets and everything going forward, you know, our team, I'm like, ring a bell every time someone supports, every time, you know, and, and that includes basically the way we work, everything goes in. So all merchandise, sales, tours, personal support, trust funds goes in to pay us to do what we do. So there's no kind of like, I, I don't get my PRS or my writing, that goes in. 
so that it supports us as a band. And it's a similar model to the way Coldplay do it and the way that you two have done it. And they're the bands that stick around because they're, they're equally spread and equally shared. So yeah, yeah, there's a there's a mainstream model to it and a godly model to it, I guess. What's the toughest time you've had in ministry life? I think, you, I mean, you might have heard quotes like this, but I think you, your greatest weapon can also be your greatest downfall. So I think what, and then someone said to me recently, what you talk about and what you share and what you fight, you end up carrying. I've never heard it kind of described like that. So we talk a lot about mental health, suicide, you know, uh, never give up, keep breathing. Jesus is the answer. And that's the whole message of, of the school's lessons and PSHE and all that kind of stuff. And I, I never have any moments of like particular low mental health or suicidal thoughts or any of that stuff. But what I can feel is the weight of it. And, and I'll come back from a tour. So say a school tour or, you know, if we've done five days away on a gig and you're, you're physically tired, you're emotionally tired. And then suddenly this wave hits you of like, did that really happen? Nah, you're not good enough for that. Nah. And it's like, the only way to describe it is there's lots and lots of noise going on. There's lots of stuff going on that's taking your attention and it's, it's the dopamine effect. Justin Bieber talks about it. It's this high that you get from being on stage and you suddenly come back and you crash and your emotions crash and your mental health crashes. And it lasts about a day and a half. And I fully understand that in the past, why someone like, I don't know, Robbie Williams, he's openly talked about it from Take That, has said, I just had to go and snort coke just to stay high so that it wouldn't affect me. And I think those times have been the hardest moments of, of career at the, you know, it, that I can remember, but also the learning curve has brought us right up. So, for example, I come home from a trip away in Germany and we've done Germany, Switzerland and Austria for three days and everything's on the whole time, preach the gospel, people got to say, and the first thing Lucy will do is pick me up and we'll go for a pub lunch. We won't go home straight away. We'll go for, to a pub. So there's talking, the kids are around, but they're not like, daddy, 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 daddy. It's like, and it's slowly but surely bringing us down. To this, I'm not just dumping all my dirty washing, sweaty gig clothes on loose to wash and you know, messing up the house. Slowly but surely it's bringing us down to this level where, okay, I'm back home now. This is, this is, and she's really sensible like that. She's really good to do it. And I think when I've got that wrong, I can be like a knight, like a bear with a sore head for two days. And I've never understood what it was until someone said that about five years ago. They went, you, uh, you sometimes carry what you're fighting. And I'm like, oh, wow, flip. That's this devil trying to have a pop and it's trying to get under my skin. And did that really happen? And, you know, did you see all those kids respond? Did that kid really share that testimony with you? And, and I'm like, I have to shake it off. And, you know, that take, take captive those thoughts and make them obedient to Jesus. That, that's a real thing that I have to do. And it, when it works, you know, we have bad moments and high moments and low moments, but that's definitely some of the, that's the hardest lesson to learn. These days, you can't get a lot for your pound. You could get a pack of balloons. A DIY face mask. Ooh. Or some plasters. Ouch. Or one pound could get you great reporting, brilliant interviews, and loads of Christian news articles, all in Premier Christianity in print, online and on the app for just £1 a month in the Summer Sale Limited Offer. Get yours at premierchristianity.com. I've read lots of comments on your Twitter feed from kids just messaging you and being like, your music's got me through some incredibly dark moments in my life. How does it feel when you hear those kind of stories? Yeah, I mean, all glory's got to go to God, hasn't it? Like, I always say to our guys that we're like a sat-nav. We're going to lead them to salvation we're not the salvation it's it's only through God's grace and what he did on the cross and it's almost that that praise whether it's from the stage or on a Twitter feed or a DM on Instagram whatever is like you pick up a big aluminium reflector and go ping and just ping it straight back up to God and you know just that's always our prayer before we go on the stage as well is you know that that, that people won't see us that they'll see Jesus well see us but you know we're we're like a, like a sat nav or a tom tom that's directing them to Tom Tom, what an old word. <laughs> a sat nav that's directing them to life, like fully breathing, you know, not just existing life. And it, it is a compliment. Obviously, you take it and, and it means you're on the right track doing the right thing, but it's, it's got to be less of us and more of him. You've been on the road for a long time now. You've played gigs all around the world. Um, like we spoke about earlier, you supported people like Jason Derulo on world tours. What lessons have you learned um, from your time on the road? What's it like? Um, preaching the gospel in different locations is it different or is it the same everywhere so I did loads of driving jobs in in holidays at university for like six weeks six to eight weeks and um and I and I got to learn the country like the back of my hands so I know 
I know the UK really well. And I kind of feel like moving around, like I've got, I've still got a Southern accent, but it's kind of moving around and picking up all these cultures. We've done schools tours in and mm. had to learn about New Zealand and Australia and Austria, Germany, you know, where we've been in schools, you kind of pick up this sort of holistic thing about everywhere. And I'm, and I'm kind of like, it's, it is that verse. So all things will be that you might save some. And you had all these amazing experiences so you can, so you can relate. So when you're saying about the stage stuff, it's exactly the same in New Zealand, in a completely different Maori culture, I'd, I'd, have to, I'd be able to do the same thing as I can in, in England. I think it's just this like whole array of sort of experiences that, that we've been on, but not just done gigs there, actually been there, soaked up the culture, been part of, you know, Stroud in, yeah. who knew that it was like a drum and bass hotspot? <laughs> you know that? I didn't know that. So we turned up and I played this one drum and bass track, Give My All, and the place went bananas. <laughs> Did I not stop playing that song? We played that song to Blue in the Fate, and it was the biggest hit, and we don't even use it. We don't even do it. So it's just picking up those little things, and I'm always intrigued by it that God's kind of taking us on this journey so that we can relate to different people and different communities. And, you know, UK culture changes every four and a half miles. Mm-hmm. It changes from town to town. As You, you know, Manchester, Bol- Manchester to Bolton is a different culture. They're, they're into different things. They eat different things. They speak differently it's different accent and and i think picking up on those things is and learning those things so that you can relate has really helped so Lindsay, if people want to get in touch with you and uh, find out how they can bring you to their area how would they do that i mean if people want to stay like stay in contact hit us up on lz7 gram on instagram um facebook's there as well lz7 um you can you can follow us and and find out where we're going to be if they want us to come to their school or an illuminate tour to come to them just drop us an email if you just go to if you just google lz7 you'll see it you can see what email to send to and uh or just lz7 at light.uk.com because we're going to start the, the practical face-to-face versions of illuminate going across the country in the next sort of first term of next year so we'd love for people to get involved and then come and come and see us that was lynn's west speaking to me emma Fowle here on Premier Christian Radio. We hope you enjoyed this interview. For hundreds more conversations just like this, you can download The Profile as a podcast. Just search for The Profile wherever you normally get your podcast from or visit premierchristianradio.com forward slash The Profile.